I'm Brian Santo, EE Times Editor-in-Chief. You're listening to EE Times On Air. And this is your weekly briefing for the week ending January 30th. Cars have always been mostly mechanical systems, but they're on their way to becoming mostly electronic systems. And that has got semiconductor manufacturers rather excited. This week, Qualcomm made a case that it's in the best position to provide the most important chips for tomorrow's cars. Junko interviews Qualcomm Senior VP Nicole Doug on the future of electronics in the automotive industry. Here's a quick rundown of some of the stories we have in EE Times this week. People have been offloading their cell phone traffic onto Wi-Fi as a way to manage their minutes. And that suited service providers just fine, seeing as that shunted a vast amount of traffic off their heavily used networks. Now the Wireless Broadband Alliance, which promotes Wi-Fi technology, is proposing more formal integration of the two wireless services. The dream of putting autonomous passenger cars on the road has been indefinitely delayed, but there will be autonomous vehicles on the road this year. We've got a rundown of the autonomous vehicles you might see running around in your neighborhood. And why are we talking about autonomous passenger vehicles? No, really. Why are we talking about autonomous passenger vehicles? It seems like it's because the industry thinks it can develop the technology, not because consumers need or want it. Look up Colin Barndon's perspectives piece called Time to Democratize Safety. We'll also have stories about how those private 5G networks you've been hearing so much about are not going to be practical for at least another couple of years, about developments at several AI startups, and about the new supercharged version of Wi-Fi called Wi-Fi 6 Extended. Find those and other stories at www.eetimes.com. If you're on our podcast webpage, there are links on your left. Tesla's vision for vehicles has become a template for the rest of the automotive industry. The basics of that template include 1. An electric motor 2. At least some driving automation that relies on sensors 3. A more or less combined approach for vehicle electronics that cover the basic task of driving and electronic systems in the cockpit and 4. The ability to update the vehicle's software remotely. That Tesla vehicles are software upgradable is one of the key things that gives rise to the observation that automobiles are turning into smartphones on wheels. That's the joke, but the joke is really not that far from the truth, and electronics companies know it. Automotive manufacturers are aware of it too. The two industries are trying to figure out how to converge. There are few companies as intimate with smartphone technology as Qualcomm, so you'd think the company would be in the thick of that convergence. And yet, among semiconductor suppliers, Qualcomm has been perceived as a laggard in the market for assisted driving and autonomous driving systems. This week, Qualcomm hosted a virtual conference aimed at changing that perception. It reminded the attendees that it has been supplying components for in-vehicle entertainment systems for two decades. More recently, the company has been getting adopted in other automotive electronic systems as well. It now has design wins from 20 different automakers, 
including many in China, for digital cockpit systems. The company recently signed a splashy deal with GM, which plans to use Qualcomm's driver assist technology, which is called the Snapdragon Ride platform. Coinciding with the conference, EE Times global editor Junko Yoshida had a conversation with Nikul Dugal, the senior vice president and general manager of automotive products at Qualcomm Technologies. Junko asked him to characterize the automotive market today. You know, clearly tremendous amount of activity going on in the automotive space across the board, which is great because that is exactly what you would expect as an industry gets reinvented. You know, for us, there are three trends that are uh, very important. One is uh, more connected. The second is more autonomous. And the third is more uh, electrified or more electric. And uh, all of these trends are uh, very important in their own right because they are addressing different aspects of how transportation and the, autom- and the automobile business are going to change over the next five to 10 years. Uh, if we talk about connectivity, just in the last five years, everything from delivery to uh, ride hailing to all of the new business models that have come in, it is because of the Uber connectivity that is possible, the precision of location, the uh, just-in-time availability of uh, you know almost a, a pipeline of information uh, delivering from warehouse to homes, especially now during this pandemic. This, if you imagine, this had scale in the next coming years. It will become an integral part of how an automaker thinks about developing a vehicle. You cannot imagine developing a vehicle that is not only not connected, but it, you should be able to track exactly where the vehicle is down to within the meter level accuracy because you need to know that exact situational awareness to be able to build a business around it. So for us, when we say more connected, it actually comes down to the entire commerce of the transportation business, of the automobile business, it is reliant on this very high level of uh, accuracy. So if you think about announcements, uh, announcements that we made with Alps Alpine on viewports, right? You would say, okay, where does that fit in? Well, it fits in right in the heart of knowing how do I, without spending a lot of money, get to that very high accuracy. Of course, we will need 5G. Of course, we will need GNSS. Of course, we will need compute. But the problem we are solving is how will you create new businesses by getting to that level of accuracy through connectivity? That is one simple example, right? Another big example, of course, is the cockpit, right? We've been talking to you about the digital cockpit for a long time. That business continues to do very well. One thing that is very Uh, unique about the auto industry and the car with respect to the cockpit is there are two things that are happening. One is the inside of the car is being reinvented continuously. It is is being reinvented because A, it is receiving technology from the consumer ecosystem. Let's take, for example, a voice assistant, right? You are driving hands-free. You want to talk to Alexa. It will connect you to the network. It will open your garage door, etc. These are things that have come from the consumer industry into the auto industry. Then you think about things like, uh, I want to remove my uh, side view mirrors and replace them with displays. I want to be able to, on those displays, have blind spot information. I want to be able to put safety information inside that. Now, what have I done? I have actually taken something that used to be a mechanical device 
I have made it an electronic part of my cockpit and I'm putting safety information on it. This is a very auto specific problem statement. Uh, this isn't something that, uh, you know, you would have expected people to spend a lot of time thinking about. In our conversations with customers, then the question is, well, I want to be able to know the exact position of my car in the lane so that when I'm warning the driver about a blind spot, I am certain that I'm in exactly the place where I think I am. Brand new way of thinking about this, right? So for us, what we are seeing as part of these big changes is that there is so much of uh, and it is no longer really a silicon conversation. It is really more of a function and application conversation. And how do you realize that on a silicon and software platform? Right. That I think is one big trend. Trend number two, which I think you saw in spades today uh, during the event, is we partner very heavily. Right. We do not believe that the auto industry is something where it will be a winner-take-all type situation. We believe that the auto industry is a complicated business. Transportation is a complicated global business. And the experience that exists across our competitors, across our customers, tier ones, tier twos, automakers, is critical to be able to keep redefining where it will go. So our approach has always been we want to work with key partners, whether it is in a specific industry, whether it's in a specific technology, a specific region, we want to be able to work with them, bring the best solution into our platforms. And therefore, our platforms are always very open. You know, we are one of the few companies who will say, we are very happy to work with Google on Google Automotive Services, but Alexa is also an assistant that a lot of people use. We should be able to pre-integrate that into our DSP. Junko asked Dougal to talk about how autonomous driving fits in to the auto industry's plans and Qualcomm's response to those plans. So uh, we had talked about Vionier last year. Uh, we yep. made the announcement today. Vionier has set up a dedicated software entity called Arriver. Uh-huh. Uh, Arriver will focus only on the stack part of the business. So one thing very important to keep in mind is that our partnership is with Arriver. Right? Vionier for us is like any other tier one like Aptiv, like Bosch, like Continental, like many others. Uh, Our partnership is with Arriver and it is for the stack. And uh, what we are trying to do is to be able to create more options in the marketplace where we will pre-integrate and pre-validate on a reference platform, the Arriver vision stack on Snapdragon Ride. Uh, We will optimize for uh, parking the Valeo solution the Valeo Park for You solution. In the past, we have done this with Zongmu and many other companies. And uh, we are now uh, partnering with Seeing Machines for DMS. And so what we want to do, just like in the cockpit timeframe, we created a solution that was very complete and fully thought through. Uh, we want to go do the same exact thing for an L2 Plus uh, platform. Now, if you remember last year, I think you rode in our uh, Avante vehicles, uh, our L2 Plus vehicles, right? So. We know quite a bit about this space, right? This is not a space that is new to us. But what is very important for us is to be able to work with partners that have, number one, a hardened and commercialized solution, something that is actually tested with miles on the road across various parts of the world, number one. Number two, it is safety grade, software that is written to a safety standard. So not something that works in a demo, but then you can't actually deploy it. It has to be able to meet uh, regulatory requirements, uh, NHTSA requirements, NCAP requirements. And so the approach that we've taken is, okay, 
there are lots of different options that are out there. There are some options that are, uh, let's say, you know, trying to move the industry into a certain direction very quickly. But the feedback that we get when we talk to our automaker partners is they really want to be responsible for the driving behavior of the car. If you're a car maker, you want to be responsible for how the car drives. You don't necessarily want to give those keys over to somebody uh, that is just going to provide you with something generic. Uh, so you heard the announcement today with General Motors. Uh, we are working with them uh, in the ARA space. Uh, and, you know, uh, GM is a very, uh, you know, GM was a tier one, uh, very high quality automaker, innovating in so many areas. I look at companies like GM as the benchmark for what the automotive industry is wanting to be in terms of being able to take full ownership of their future and the innovation that will be needed. And to that end, we are building platforms to go help accelerate that as much as possible. So hang on, it's the yes. GM. That was interesting, the, the G, that was uh, one of the news that uh, GM is adapting uh, ADAS platform. Um, you are, I guess, Snapdragon, right, platform. Are they using G generation three SOC from yours or are they going to use a G generation four? What's the story here? Okay. So uh, we are working with GM in many areas. We work with them in telematics. Yep. We work with them in CB2X. We work with them in the uh, cockpit space, in the digital cockpit space, which is what they talked about a little bit today, which was, which is gen three. So that uh, relationship is for gen three. Gen four was just announced today. So Gen 3 was actually announced in 2019. So we've been working with them for some time on Gen 3. And then uh, we are working with them on ADAS and autonomous driving. And those are platforms that you know I cannot uh, share much more in terms of uh, timelines, et cetera. But uh, those are all in development right now. Okay. But that that's that's kind of so they they're replacing whatever they have as ADAS system. Now they're replacing it with their Qualcomm's uh, ride platform. Correct. 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 And if you think about GM as a customer and a partner, uh, everything that we announced today, all the slides that you saw in Cristiano's presentation and my presentation, we work with them on all of those. So cellular V2X, as an example, we have talked about this for many years. It's not deployed in China. GM has put CV2X in the Buick EL8 last year. It is commercial. So one of the things that is very important you know, for us as an automotive business is unless you are actually realizing uh, the things that you're talking about in building with automakers in the car, it's just talk. So you know, there is a lot of talk and there are some very good competitors, very good companies out there that are, that are delivering uh, excellent products. But Really, for us, uh, this is a business of scale, right? This is not a business of uh, headlines. It's a business of scale. Uh, and uh, if you want to get to scale, you have to partner with many different people because uh, this isn't something where, look, we are not a company where we are going to say, hey, our brand name needs to be right alongside our customer's brand name. No, we are an ingredient brand. We are behind the scenes. We are going to support our partners and customers to be successful. We are not going to be standing aside them and uh, talking about how great we are. Uh, that's not uh, the Qualcomm uh, style. 
So hopefully you got to see a lot of that today across everything that we talked about. Right. So I want to actually um, run the numbers because some of the slides you shared with us, so it's kind of a shocking to me that <clears throat> didn't you say that the 20 automakers are going into production in 2021 with uh, Gen 3 SOC for cockpit? Is that correct? So we actually have a number of different uh, automakers that are already in production. Yeah. Uh, even uh, you know all of 2020, uh, and then you know there are several that are continuing to go into production across all of our various cockpit platforms. But today we have, I would say today we have uh, over 20. Uh, you know there are now so many new automakers that are coming up. Uh, we have over 20 automakers that are using uh, the digital cockpit uh, solutions. And Claudine, I'm sure, can provide you with uh, a list of names should you like to have that. Okay. So uh, one of the things that um, the so, – so I'm kind of interested in digital uh, I mean, driver monitoring system because not a lot of other companies are talking about it. And you are the uh, kind of uh, uh, interesting chip companies uh, sort of putting the DMS – kind of front and center when you talked about the uh, uh, both the uh, cockpit platform and actually ride platform. I guess from what I understood listening to some of the um, panels, uh, uh, some OEMs actually prefer to do the DMS on cockpit platform and others are planning to move to uh, ride platform. Is that right? Yeah. I, I was actually amused a little bit that uh, Colin caught on to that uh, DMS comment because I did not realize that it was that interesting. <laughs> but I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you where it comes from. Yeah. You know, when you are in the middle of this cockpit business and yeah. we are working with everybody, DMS and uh, uh, OMS and CPS are standard requirements. I mean, this is what automakers want to put into their cars. This is not... Uh, this is not something that people are thinking about or experimenting, et cetera. We have been building the enablers for DMS internally inside the company for over three years. We have a lot of uh, deep learning capability in that space. We have a lot of CV. We do a lot of uh, head tilt, post detection, uh, you know, uh, the eyes, the mouth, you know, are you smoking? There are all kinds of things that are happening in this space. And we've been showing this at CES. Now, we are not going to be building a DMS solution ourselves. So what we're going to do is we're going to partner with industry leaders. We've announced a partnership with Team Machines, and we will reintegrate their solution into our DMS platform. You know, if uh, an automaker says they would like us to integrate somebody else's solution, we are happy to. But the way that we think about the space, uh, Jinko, is we want to create the software scaffolding that sits on top of our SOCs that make the introduction of new applications, of new services, of new partners as simple and straightforward as possible. We know that one solution cannot address the need of every automaker in every region. That is just not possible. So we spend a lot of time with best-in-class partners to be able to create a very open scaffolding. And then we figure out how to keep evolving it. You know, we did this many years with QNX and Hypervisor. Now we support Open Synergy, we support Green Hills, uh, but we always want to make sure that best in class or the one that can be able to be scaled up the most are always supported. That's the strategy with DMS. Then to your question of where does DMS sit? Yeah. 
in terms of uh, ADAS versus cockpit. Yeah. You know, for us, it doesn't matter, actually. Uh, because the way that we are designing our hardware now going forward is the hardware is going to have a universal hardware fabric. That fabric is extensible. You can apply software to it to make it work as a cockpit solution or an ADAS solution or some fusion thereof. So whether you want to put DMS on the cockpit side or the ADAS side uh, alongside, say, uh, you know, an NCAP solution, uh, for us, it's uh, all the same. We will still support the same safety requirements, the same isolation requirements, the same, uh, you know, the same hardening. So tell me about this fabric. You said there are yeah. building blocks that are yeah. common yeah. in both platforms. Is that yes. correct? Yes. Yeah. So I think this is kind of where I go to the more electrified part of the conversation. You know, so okay. the one thing that changes for us when we talk about more uh, about more electrified yeah. is really it is an opportunity for the car architecture to move from a traditional combustion engine architecture to an electronic or uh, sorry an electric vehicle skateboard right it is a battery powered solution it doesn't really need to have any of the traditional legacy architecture uh, uh, aspects so you can start afresh and one thing that i talked about in my uh, in my keynote was you know the whole transition towards central compute where uh, rather than having many MCUs that are addressing the individual needs of very specific endpoints, you integrate all of these functionalities that have thus far been discrete into central compute domains. And the central compute domains are running on an SOC fabric that is in some sense a universal fabric. It is a safety grade fabric. It will support a GPU. It will support many DSPs. It will support AI accelerators. It will have multi-core GPUs. And as you start to go do that, uh, and you put a software scaffold on top, you start with a hypervisor, and you are able to support multiple containers, multiple virtualized partitions. And you say, okay, what solution would you like to be running on this? Would you like this to be running uh, a level two plus system? Yeah, we can go support that. Would you like a partition to be added for there to be an inward driver monitoring camera while you are driving, yes, we could go support that. Uh, would you like this to have intelligent surround view so that when you are backing out of your parking spot and there is a pedestrian, uh, a warning can be generated and this is in the cockpit space, yes, we can support that. So what starts to happen is the line starts to get blurred between the application and the domain. And to allow that line to be blurred and still be able to have a consistent architecture, you need that common hardware fabric underneath. So you can put in line card one, line card two, line card three, that are, that are all in some sense, the same type of compute, but they have different personalities. So you can say, okay, line card one is cockpit, line card two is rear seat entertainment, line card three is my primary uh, uh, L2 plus solution, line card four is my field operation solution, Line card five is my accelerator. Line card six is telematics, right? And now you basically have a chassis where you can say, okay, based upon the tier of the vehicle, I can design it to be as advanced as possible, as fail operational as possible. If I want to tear down the capability to much lower tier, I can just reduce the capability of the card. And if I want that card to be sitting inside a windshield mounted uh, 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 camera system, to just do basic end cap, it is the same SOC fabric. 
Okay. So when you said line card one, line card two, line card three, you're talking about it's like a server blade. You can you actually putting into this uh, board into this uh, unit. I don't like what? to call it server blade because we are not running servers in cars. Uh, <laughs> so that's like, I like to call. I mean, I should probably have a better word for it, but uh, yeah. I mean, just think of it as a compute. It's a compute card. It's a compute okay. card for the car. Yeah. Okay. So there will be multiple cars if right. the OEMs prefer to do a lot of things. All right, that's interesting. So, you know, I, I just want to get back to this. Um, the uh, I think general, probably I was wrong. General impression was that the Qualcomm certainly did have a you know well found toehold into the automotive through the connectivity, very important, and uh, certainly got a lot of design wins uh, in early days in cockpit. And um, well, before I guess it was called cockpit. And now we're moving to um, not only digital cockpit, but ADAS and potentially autonomous down the line. When you look at that trajectory, that what earned you the credibility? Is that the uh, your partnerships that you talked about? What made you actually um, get into the ADAS? For example, a lot of people, the industry observer thought that that's the ADAS market is something that the mobile eye has already sewn up the whole market. So, look, I think uh, there are so many industries that you can point to where there were market leaders and then there was more competition and then the market opened up and now you have uh, you know uh, a lot of players that are participating the way that we think about it uh, junko is and look i think mobilize a fantastic company i think they have done a tremendous job in cv and now in ai and they have solved uh, they are they're solving very complicated problems so you know full marks to all the work that the mobile team has done the way that we think about it is look technology is democratic uh, all of these solutions that we are talking about uh, there is nothing here that i can say oh, this is something that uh, is an unsolvable problem. I think that is one piece. So we understand the problem. We know what it takes to solve it. We also understand the time constants required within which they have to be solved. And we partner accordingly. So we say, okay, if we have to be able to solve a problem that somebody else has solved in the past, it is probably better for us to partner than for us to go solve it by ourselves. Right? I think that's number one. Number two is we talk to our customers all the time. And our customers, especially in the automotive space, like choices. They don't like to be locked down into just one solution. Right? That's, I think, uh, rule number one that I've learned in the automotive space is always be uh, making sure that uh, you, know, you are watching the choices that your customers have and uh, make sure that you are choice number one. Right? Uh, the second piece is, uh, I think, in the case of the ADAS opportunity, uh, automakers want something that they can ultimately be responsible for because they are putting a product in the hands of consumer that they are responsible for. And look, there is a big discussion between, you know, the human uh, mining the car or the car mining the human and, you know, who's monitoring and this and that and the other. But I think all of us know that driving a car is uh, a complicated uh, uh, and challenging uh, to say the least, experience. And the only people that can decide who is liable for the vehicle are either the driver or the owner of the vehicle or the car manufacturer. There is no third party that is going to come in and say, 
or we are going to take responsibility. That is not going to happen. So if you keep that in mind, and it's, look, and I'm talking about passenger vehicles, right? I'm not talking about robo taxis that have, you know, $100,000 worth of sensors around them. I'm talking about cars that you and I can buy. So in that situation, the very simple premise is, if the automaker has to be responsible for the safety and security uh, of their customer, then ultimately they have to know what they're putting into their vehicle. And if you make that assumption, and a lot of partners that we talk to make that assumption, because look, the challenge is, and this is a big challenge, the automotive industry has in the past never had to race this quickly to go develop expertise in areas like computer vision, AI, data collection, high definition mapping, low definition mapping, LIDAR. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that is hitting the auto industry right away. So are there people that have solved the problem much faster than the auto industry? Of course, and they've done a great job. Does that mean that the auto industry will never try to solve it by themselves? I don't think so. I think, you know, I mean, this is, this is a hundred year old plus industry. Uh, we have always bought cars from automakers and I think they will be responsible for uh, the safety of their uh, customers. And uh, look, I think we, we look at this also as uh, what makes the most sense for us to go do at any point in time. If automakers want to buy silicon from us and want to build everything by themselves, we're happy to support them. If they want to get into a hybrid model with us, where they say, we like this stack right now, this other stack we want to develop by ourselves, happy to support that. And you have to take that approach in a business like this, because at the end of the day, you're building a solution, you're building a product for your customer, for your partner. All right. I want to get back to the um, SOC discussion since yeah. we being uh, EE times. <laughs> so yeah. the, you mentioned this five nanometer uh, generation for uh, SOC. Uh, that is, you, did you say that you're putting that SOC samples in the hands of OEMs 2021? They are actually already in the hands of some OEMs. Okay. Last year. Okay. But, but but we are making uh, samples available a bit more broadly, uh, I would say in the March, April timeframe. Which March, March timeframe? Okay. March, April of this yeah, year. March, April. Okay. Now, does that mean that this chip will go into the series production when? 2024 or 2024? Uh, the earliest customers that we are talking about are actually early 23. Okay. Yeah, but uh, those are probably at the really, you know, bleeding edge. But I would say late 23, early 24 is probably what is the more typical. Uh, you know, so we, we are seeing, Junko, about, uh, I would say between 18 months and uh, uh, between 18 months and 30 months from the time that customers get their hands on silicon to when they go into vehicles, depending upon, you know, uh, which part of the world they are doing this in. Uh, and so we will see, for example, uh, we introduced uh, Gen 3. Uh, we got silicon in the hands of customers in the late 2018 timeframe. Mm-hmm. We've already put Gen 3 cars on the road last year. So that, wow. so that was, you know, within 24 months. Right. And you will see a lot of that this year and next year. The larger automakers will all deploy uh, uh, Gen 3 next year. Okay. Some are starting to deploy this year. Okay. Uh, and Gen 4, I would say, maybe a little bit faster huh. just because of the way that certain automakers are behaving in terms of how quickly they want to bring new technology. Wow. 
Okay. Let me ask you this then. Um, the uh, as for Gen three, you pre we previously talked about the more than twenty companies uh, already. Um, you know, including the ones in the past that uh, the more twenty companies uh, signed up for it. Uh, what about ADAS? Uh, what sort of a design wins, except for the GM, whose time frame you can't talk about? Who else have you signed up for the ADAS solution? Yeah, so we are not uh, disclosing number of companies or which companies for a variety of reasons, but they are all fairly confidential. But we are engaged with a number of different tier ones and automaker designs as we speak right now. Okay. Uh, keep in mind also that the timing on uh, the uh, L2 Plus silicon uh, you know, we have just gotten silicon in the hands of customers late last year. Uh, the accelerator has been available for longer, but silicon has only been made available late last year. Yeah. So there is a lot of activity planned in 2021 uh, yeah. to be able to go ramp that up. Okay. And then uh, the other part of the announcement was, you know, we introduced the extension of Gen 4 uh, for the end cap uh, level one tier. That is targeting cars on the road in 24. Hey, wait, wait, wait a second. What do you mean yeah. extension of Gen yeah. 4 SOC yeah. to yeah. NCAP? Yeah, let me explain. Let me yeah. explain. So last year at CES, when we announced Snapdragon Ride, we had talked about mostly L2 Plus and beyond. Right? We hadn't really talked about uh, L1, NCAP, any of that. And the L2 Plus and beyond was, we were really talking about, hey, you can get, you know, 60, 200, 300, 700 tops, depending upon how you configure the solution. What we announced today, what I was talking about today was, we are extending the roadmap by actually focusing on the lowest tier of the market, the NCAP and L1 tier. So this will be a 10 tops product in a sub five watts budget for a windshield mounted solution. And this product is going to be targeting customers in the 2024 timeframe. SOP price. Okay. Let me switch a gear that uh, L3. What's your take on L L3? We talked about L2 and we kind of skipped over to L4. Um, yeah. What are you hearing from your uh, potential customers about L3? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's very uh, straightforward. I think uh, it comes down to liability. Right? It comes down to at what point in time are automakers going to be comfortable where, where they say, uh, I would now like to offer a service to my customer where even if the customer is uh, disengaged, uh, I'm able to take the vehicle over. I'm able to guide the vehicle to a complete stop. I'm able to uh, deal with the situation where the driver is impaired or unable to respond. Uh, so, you know, uh, there are many ifs uh, there are many if conditions. And what that means really is, uh, look, to me, you have to boil it down to the economics. Will you or I buy a vehicle where we will say, I would like to have a vehicle where I will pay a lot of money for all of the sensors, all of the compute, all of the continuous development that the automaker has to keep doing over the life of this vehicle so I have the opportunity to not pay attention when I'm driving the car. I think the line between L3 and, and L4 then starts to get a little bit blurry. And really then the question that you're asking is, is this a passenger vehicle? Or is this a vehicle that is being designed for really the path towards L5 or control L4 where you are, you know, you are a long distance uh, 
a truck that is driving on a freeway for miles and miles and miles, and you are putting in a tremendous amount of sensors and compute and fuel operational capability, because it makes a lot of sense for that type of an application, 100% aligned. But can you bring that down to a $50,000 vehicle and then give the assurance to the customer that they are no longer liable, you're liable? Uh, clearly, it can be solved. I'm not saying the technology is not there to solve it, but the investments required to be able to actually uh, make that happen where the automaker says, oh, I trust my supply chain enough that I will now sign up to this level of liability. I mean, there has to be some return on that risk. Uh, are you going to be able to get another $25,000 more from every uh, you know, uh, consumer to offer this feature? I don't think so. Right. That's the other piece, which is very complicated is, this really has to work at scale. You, ha you have to be able to do this in every part of the world for it to make sense. If you do it in you know, two, three, four countries, well, what's your plan then? How will you scale up? So look, I think uh, the companies that have been leading in this space have done a phenomenal job. They have my fullest respect because these are very complicated problems. Uh, but to be able to say there's money to be made because we will change the way that consumers behave or consumers consume a certain function or a certain service. And therefore, the technology is ready, so we should adopt it. Yeah, that to me is, uh, you know, I think uh, we are a few years away. And frankly, uh, some regulatory changes do have to be made for something like this to be pervasive. That was Junko Yoshida with Qualcomm Senior Vice President Nakul Duggal. On our website, you can find a story from Junko that provides additional details on the conference that Qualcomm hosted earlier this week. The story is called Automotive, Qualcomm's in it to run like hell. That wraps your weekly briefing for the week ending January 30th. Thank you for listening. The weekly briefing is available on all the major podcast platforms, but if you get to us via our website at www.eetimes.com slash podcasts, you'll find a transcript along with links to the stories we mentioned. This podcast is produced by EE Times. It was engineered by Taylor Marvin and Greg McRae at Coop Studios. The segment producer was Katie Huss. I'm Brian Santo. See you next week.